Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Book Marketing Success Podcast. Today, I have a great guest. He's a book author, and he's uh, called the Brand Serp, S-E-R-P, guy. And it's Jason Bernard, and he's coming to us right now from France uh, early in the morning, late at night for me here in Taos, New Mexico. And uh, we'll say the time, 2 a.m., you know. (laughs) And anyway, you know, I met Jason on matchmaker.fm, which I encourage you, if you want to be a guest on podcast, to join that because it's a great place to meet people that are interesting people. And Jason is very interesting. (laughs) And he made a video showcasing how interesting he is. So um, I'll link to that video again in uh, in this episode. But I wanted to bring Jason on because he's he's just, uh, I think, a brilliant guy from what I've seen so far. And I really want to learn more from him. So that's why I have him on. So, Jason, tell me more about Brand SERP, S-E-R-P. Right. Thank you for having me, John. That's an incredible yeah. introduction, and I'm, I'm terribly flattered. Uh, <laughs> blushing a little bit now, the same color as my shirt. Uh, I, I tend to forget that people don't know what a SERP is. It's an S-E-R-P, Search Engine Results page. So it's what you see on Google when you search for something, or on Bing for that matter. Um, and it, it's obviously kind of some people talk about SEO, search engine optimization. And right. my niche in that world is very, very small and at the same time, very, very big because I only focus on what your audience sees when they Google your name, your brand name, or in this case, your book name. And so right. it's a niche in the sense that I only focus on one little part, but it's a niche that everybody needs. And I love it. Well, I actually, I, I really caught it when I saw what you were doing because SEO can be very, very complicated. It can be time consuming, you know, and all that. But what you're talking about is just improving the results of your search engine result page and the knowledge panel that goes with it. And I think, you know, from what you've just told me uh, when we were conversing just before this is that they're not that hard. It, no. it doesn't take as much work as SEO per se. Uh, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do SEO, but I really want to know what can an author who, who considers their name to be a brand name, but also book titles are often brand names like Chicken mm-hmm. Soup for the Soul and you know the Dummy series and things like that. What can they do to make sure that they show up at the top of the search engine results page? Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, SEO can be complicated and I use some SEO techniques because I come from the SEO world. But what I've brought into this world is the very simple SEO techniques that anybody can do. So what I'm doing is applying simple marketing to um, influencing, maybe even controlling what Google shows when your audience Googles your brand name or your book name or your book series name. So I think what changes here, it's a little bit like online reputation management, but when you don't have a problem and you're simply saying, I want my, let's call it a Google business card, or it could even be called your little mini Google site (laughs) because you want to make sure that on this Google mini site, this Google business card, Google is showing you in the light that you want to your audience. And people, a lot of people who aren't in the SEO world uh, immediately think, oh, it's going to be terribly technical. I'm going to have to learn code. Oh, dearie me. And in fact, it isn't. It's marketing and it's presenting yourself in a way that this that Google can understand. Um, and if we take a little bit of a step back, Google's scary. But it, <laughs> I don't think it is. Google is a child. Google <laughs> wants to learn. And we, as the responsible adults in the room, need to educate Google about us. So we're educating this child about who we are, what we do, uh, who our audience is, and what that audience wants to see. Because Google wants to show our audience what is valuable, helpful, and relevant to them when they're looking for us. It's not really as much of a a dictatorship as some people think of it. Because Google, 
at the very basic is, is trying to give the best information out there yeah. on something. They make, you know, they've made mistakes with some of their misinformation and disinformation yeah. stuff. But for the most part, they're trying to help people to actually find the things that they really want to find and find the best stuff within that category. Yep, exactly. You said it 100%. I mean, Google say we want to get our users to the answer to their question or the solution to their problem as efficiently as possible. And obviously, they want the best answer and the best solution. And uh, if, if we want to look at how we as authors, I'm, a, I'm an author, I've written the book. And we'll talk <laughs> about that later. I actually wrote the book as an experiment. I do masses of experiments to see how I can educate this child that is Google, how I can help it to understand, how I can help it to help me, or help it to help my audience, which helps me, uh, which is kind of a nice way of looking at it. Right. And the, the, the first step is incredibly simple. Google is looking for the website that represents you, that you control. And it seems strange that Google would be looking to you to describe yourself, but it is. I call that an entity home. It's a page on the web that represents you, the person, the author, where you explain clearly who you are, what you do, and who your audience is. And from that perspective, Google is looking for that because if you imagine this child, it's got a broken plate in its hand and it's trying to put that plate together as a puzzle because it's found lots of bits of information about you all around the web and it can't really fit it together. And if it can fit it together, it's not 100% sure, even if you've got Wikipedia. You know, Wikipedia isn't necessarily 100% true, and Google knows that. So it does need corroboration from other sources. So it's got this broken plate, and it's fitting it together. And what it's looking for is you, the person, to present to it the completed puzzle. And that's what you do on that web page. You present it with a completed puzzle. And then the little child says, right, I have got it right. And that's when it starts to allow you to control what your audience sees when they Google your, your name. And that entity home, and this is really important. Some authors are going to say, well, my publisher has got a website for me. So, or a, a web page, sorry, on, on their website for me. And that's fine. Problem there is you do not own that web page. Your publisher owns the web page. So you're giving control of your own entity identity to your right. publisher. I saw, I think it was Stephen King, one of his books, it's a Facebook page that, that Google sees as the entity home, the place that represents. Facebook is not a place to allow Google to be looking at as a child to understand who you are, what you do, and who your audience is, because Facebook is full of very strange things from time to time. <laughs> you're, look, you're looking for a website that you own. Um, so, you know, my, my entity home is jasonbarnard.com. And it's as simple as that. And on my entity home, jasonbarnard.com, what I have done is educated the child to understand that belongs to me and it represents me and it can trust me when I talk about myself. Right. Then I can educate it. And the education process is long and it's slow, but it's if you get it right, it gives you incredible power. Uh, and I invite you to search my name, Jason Space Barnard, obviously two names, uh, and see what comes up. Um, and it gets really interesting really quickly, and it's a massive rabbit hole that once you start, believe me, you're, you're not going to get out of this rabbit hole. And it's a lot of fun. It's incredibly interesting, and it does bring results. Yes, uh, I understand that. Uh, at one point for my name, John Kramer, I... I owned probably nine out of the 10 first listings on right. Google. Um, and they found different, you know, my social media pages yep. and some of my websites and things like that. And probably normally, you know, like two or three pages from my main website, which I presume yep. is what happens with you too. And something like that. And, yep. you know, and that's given that, you know, this probably, you know, with my name, John Kramer with the K-R-E-M-E-R, you wouldn't think I would have that much competition, but there's at least 20 people in the world yeah. that spell the name the same. One's a sports fisher, fisher in Alabama. Another is a <laughs> German psychologist, uh, wow. and he's written books. So, you know, you'd think yeah. he would show up more. There's a minister. There's a football player in Pennsylvania. You know, yeah. I, I, 
I see them every once in a while because, of course, I have a, uh, a Google alert telling me when somebody's writing about me. Uh, so, you know, and I'm sure that that's probably one of your recommendations is to set up an alert. Or yeah, is it? I de yeah, definitely set up an alert. I've actually built a, a SaaS platform, a software as a service. Uh, okay. And it does. It actually tracks what appears when somebody Googles your brand name. It gives you information about the sources that Google is looking for, and it actually tells you how to educate Google, which sources Google is getting those puzzly pieces of plates from. So a little um, piece of software code or something that yeah. people sign up for that service, and then boom, they they're they're halfway there at least. Yeah, if you're willing to put in the work, it, it, it basically says do this, do that, do that, do that, do that, do that, and bingo. Um, okay. And it also tracks the mentions. But I didn't build it as a mention tracker, but it tracks mentions actually better than mention.com or even Google itself, um, right. which I'm pretty pleased with. And it was total luck that it happened to be that good at it. At it. <laughs> it, it, it came out of something else I was trying to do. Um, but I that's the beauty of building these things um, is that you're aiming to do something. And if you're not closed-minded and you're able to take a step back and see, well, actually, it does this too, and I hadn't thought of that. And being kind of open and honest with yourself is, you know, I might not quite have achieved what I wanted over there, but it's had this knock-on effect over here, which is really interesting. Um, and when you talk about dominating your own brand, SERP, that's an interesting point because we all have ambiguous names. Uh, Jason Barnard, there are about 300 in the world. There's a footballer <laughs> like you. Um, there's a, an academic in San Francisco. And yet I totally dominate. And that's a lot to do with the child being incredibly confident in what it's understood about me. Right. And so building confidence, so you've got this child, it's got its plate, and the more you can build its confidence in how it has built this little plate about you, the better uh, you will perform in terms of the way it presents you. Okay. And you mentioned blue links, but there's also video boxes, there's author boxes, there's Twitter boxes. I just got song boxes on mine this morning um, huh. where you have my site. Obviously, you want your site to rank number one because that, is where you want people to come right, uh, right. to find more about you from yourself. And that's what Google wants as well. But you can also, underneath that, I've got my Twitter boxes because I use Twitter a lot. I've got author boxes, which is articles I've written for relevant journals and media platforms in my industry. And I've got video boxes because I produce a lot of video. And okay. so Google is this multimedia machine. So if you can feed it the multimedia content, it will show it. Wow, I want to add more feed to Google. <laughs> you know, and this is really important to book authors, uh, especially. Uh, it would be for book publishers, but actually I think authors should take control of their mm -hmm. own name and not uh, – publishers would be terrible at it. <laughs> well, I, I actually had a client. Uh, she, 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 there are two authors with the same name. And Google kept getting the books mixed up between the two authors. Right. And she actually asked somebody at Google, can you correct this? Because uh, you're, you're, you're mixing up these things. And somebody at Google, a person at Google, actually went in and corrected it, which is brilliant because you, there's a little feedback button when things like that happen. Okay. And then within a week, it switched back. And then she came to me and she said, I don't understand why it switched back. And <laughs> The point is, this child that is the machine actually ultimately makes the decision. Even if you get somebody at Google to correct a piece of information about you, if the machine disagrees, it will switch it back. And so right. I had to then do my Sherlock Holmes of digging down to find out why the child was misunderstanding. And it turns out that the, the two authors with the same name had the same publisher. Oh. And the publisher had one page that mixed them up. Oh, <laughs> and from her perspective, it took her a long time to get the publisher to correct that page so that it separated them correctly. And it's easy to kind of look back over the spilt milk and say, well, you shouldn't have got the milk bottle out of the fridge when you've got greasy hands. But if she had had an, ent uh, an entity home where she controlled it, she wouldn't have had to ask the publisher because right. the child would have been looking to her website to see which book she had written and not the publisher's website. Right. And, you know, I think that that's really important. Um, you know, it's like, you know, one of the key, uh, I guess you could say, influencer sites probably for Google for authors is Goodreads. Yeah. 
And, you know, you should obviously have your name on Goodreads. But Goodreads keeps wanting to give me these German psychologist books as mine, <laughs> you know, and I keep telling it, no, no, those aren't mine. Amazon does the same thing. It's trying to associate those German psychology books with me. And I'm going, no. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, it, it is. <clears throat> sorry. Sometimes you have to keep telling them. Yeah, you, you have to insist. Uh, the, the, the problem with ambiguity of names is, is there. And uh, as you can see, I mean, as you've just said, Amazon, Goodreads, all of these platforms have massive problems with that because of the amount of information they need to deal with and the, the lack of human beings to actually do the work. And Google just looks at this, this information and aggregates it. Um, John Mueller from Google calls it reconciliation. Okay. The machine is reconciling this fragmented information, which is why I use that plate analogy. It's reconciling right. the information, and the reconciliation needs to happen on your own website, as I said earlier on. So buying your own domain, creating even a one-page website is such a good idea. And creating a one-page website using WordPress or Wix or Foursquare or one of those other platforms is a very simple task, but the domain name itself needs to belong to you. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be your name. You know, mine's jasonbarnard.com, right. and that's logical for my audience. And, uh, but it could be jasonmartinbarnard.com or jasonbarnard.me or jasonbarnard.co. Um, so or there, there are lots of John different... JohnKramerAuthor.com or something brilliant. like that. Especially when you have, you know, if your name's John Smith and there's you know, 100,000 people with the name, you would want to go John Kramer author or John Kramer book author or something like that. And I mean, John Smith. Uh, mm. And to distinguish yourself from all the other John Smiths. Yeah, um, no, 100%. And that is one way. Another way is to keep a middle, middle initial. Uh, yes. John B. Smith. Uh, that, that reduces it, but you've still got ambiguity. But uh, John Bob Smith, that was already moving us away from the ambiguity. Um, right. And I, I mean, we, we, we're not going to have to go down that rabbit hole, but there are also pseudonyms that come into play, which create immense problems for Google. Um, <laughs> I mean, my mother is a jazz musician. She's called Kate Westbrook. And there is an author who uses the pseudonym Kate Westbrook. And so now Google is starting to put my mother and this woman next to each other on my knowledge panel, ah. which is slightly disturbing. So, so you have two mothers now. Brilliant. Wonderful. <laughs> Who could wish for more? Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and the, the, the knowledge panel, I mean, we talked about that a little bit before. I think it's really important to say what it is. That, the knowledge yes. panel is what you see on the right-hand side on desktop when you search for a person or a film or a, right. or a book, in fact, or a company. And it's Google's understanding of the facts, and it's Google's summary of that understanding of the facts. So what Google is doing is saying, here is a summary of what I have understood about this person, this author, or this book, or this company, or this film, that I think the audience of that person, book, film, whatever, is going to be interested in. And a lot of people think it just comes from Wikipedia, and that's partially true. Uh, let's say 60% of it comes from Wikipedia at the moment. But that used to be 90%, and it's dropping very quickly. Google gets its information from all sorts of different places. Um, and for it, example, and in the... it's tough with uh, Wikipedia because you can't always uh, control that listing. Yeah. Um, because yeah. there's new editors coming in all the time, mm. changing things and so on. But I have noticed that it used to be almost 100% for me yeah. on the right side was Wikipedia. And, you know, that was not always useful information for me. No. And now I'm seeing that Google is starting to draw from other sources. Yeah. And, and in fact, the, 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 the software as a service platform that I've built also tracks that. It tracks how much of the information is coming from different sources, which those sources okay. are. So that we can then identify where we can place information to help this child build the correct plate. So it's okay. not just having an entity home saying this is to the child, this is the information that I'm presenting to you. It's checking that the information about you all around the web 
creates the pieces that do actually fit together. So it all makes sense that all of this corroborative information is accurate and true. And then saying, well, where is Google looking within my industry? I need to place information there too to help the child better understand and build its confidence. So there's right. a whole process that you can build. And what's really interesting, you were talking about kind of promotion and you know making videos and so on and so forth. The more that you do that, the more information the child has. And the child is hungry for information. And when you think, <laughs> oh, I can't create 200 pages because the, the, it, it's too many. Um, 200 might be too many. I don't know. I've got 200 different pages that talk about me because I've created them. But Google digests literally thousands of billions of pages a day. So your 200 pages is absolutely nothing to this child. It's a tiny drop in the ocean. It goes through it. it. It processes the whole thing. It's very important for you, for its understanding of you, but in the bigger scheme of things, in terms of what Google is doing every day, it does it on such a massive scale, we can't even begin to understand and comprehend, I think. And I think it, it really serves in, like you said, you have 200 pages out there on other websites, not just yours. Yeah, exactly. And you're, you're, so you're helping Google find you through other platforms. Yeah. And that's sort of what one of the things that with podcasting, you know, and syndicating a podcast like this, it's going to about 40 websites, but they all lead back to my main website. And yeah, you've, you've just nailed exactly, exactly what needs to happen. You need to point from your entity home to these sources and these sources need to point back. And then Google, because it follows links, it goes back and forwards, seeing the same information on all of these different sites, especially within a sphere that is incredibly relevant to you. And that's how you're going to build up its confidence. You, you, you basically educate this child by pure repetition. So your software as a service platform, does it help you create all these pages? It, it points you to or the, you the pages. Or it teaches you how to do it. I mean, it, it teaches it, you go to this site, create a page, go to this site, yeah, something well, like that. The first thing it does is point out which pages exist already that you now need to go and correct and make sure that the, the okay. pieces all fit together. Because, yeah. And that's what people miss is that they fail to realize that they've created or themselves <laughs> or they've allowed to be created around them a very confusing, fragmented version of themselves that the child finds very confusing. So the first okay. thing to do is the housekeeping. I get it. Correct all of that. Then the next thing to do is say, now, where can I start hitting these sources that the child is looking at. And I mean, if you take the child analogy, you know, you're the, you're the parent, uh, then the sister, the brother are, are repeating the same thing, then the grandmother, those are all obvious. But then you need to kind of think, well, who else can the child listen to who it will be confident in and, and they trust is authoritative? Yeah. The history teacher for history, the geography teacher for geography. You wouldn't send the child to the geography teacher for something about history. So you need to make sure that you're placing this information in those authoritative, trusted places that are authoritative and trustworthy for your topic. In this case, authorship and whatever topic you happen to be writing about or whatever okay. genre you're writing about. Yeah, I just, uh, because I've been working on the podcasting and so on, I'm discovering not only all the syndicates and apps and directories mm. for podcasts, but I'm, I also, because I do a lot of videotaping of the podcast and and also syndicate that, I've, I've learned, you know, like YouTube has a sharing button for, I don't know, about 10 different websites that you can share your video to. So I started sharing that video to every one of those right. websites. And the neat thing about that is, is that it's reactivated some of the, you know, like, uh, as you said, things that you created a long time ago and then you just sort of let slide. Mm. So I, I have a couple uh, uh, blog, uh, blog spot uh, page uh, profiles. Right. And, you know, I've let them go. Mm -hmm. But now, because YouTube encourages me to share it there, I've been sharing it. So I've reactivated those pages. And Brilliant. and that's true for a couple other pages, uh, a mix.com page uh, and a couple other places mm. that, and because YouTube is connected with Google, hopefully that's going to help 
yeah. lead everything back again to my main website at bookmarketingbestsellers.com. And, exactly. you know, but it's something that I'm starting to play with as I understand what they're doing. And um, so yeah. it's kind of neat because they've encouraged me to do it. Yeah, 100%. And your, your analysis is spot on. I mean, I think you've really nailed this. We've only been talking for like 35 minutes, I think. But uh, you, you've already nailed what it is that needs to be done. And what I love about this is it's so simple. Somebody told me, don't share the secret that you've discovered. And I was saying to them, it's so simple. Any idiot can do it. It's not something I'll be able to keep a secret. What I need to do is write the book create the courses and build the SaaS platform that brings value to actually implement what I'm talking about. Because what I'm talking about is idiotically simple, yeah. um, which is lovely. And when, when I think kind of one of those moments in life where you wake up one morning, and you think, that's it. And the entity home idea with the corroboration and the broken plate and, uh, right. and, the, and the reconciliation was that moment for me. You think, I can explain this concept in 15 or 20 seconds. And that is a great sign that this is something incredibly powerful. Right, but now you've provided the uh, SAS, AS, the Software as yeah. a Service platform that makes it easy for people to actually implement your ideas. Once they yeah. realize, oh, I need to do this, it, it, to me, it's like brain simple. Okay, go to jasonbernard.com something or other. Yeah. <laughs> or wherever you find the software as a service and i will provide the link in in the listing for yeah. this and uh, it, you can it, share it at any time in the audio as well that's fine right yeah i mean the, the, my company is called calicube and the platform is called calicube pro um okay. and actually uh, i also do consulting um and i did one hour of consulting with a guy called g scott graham who's an author and his knowledge panel, what was appearing on the, on the right, was, was not very what he wanted. And right. I gave him one hour of consulting, and three months later, he wrote me an email about this long saying, thank you so much. It's all sorted out. It's now incredibly brilliant. It's exactly what I wanted. And once again, it took me one hour to explain to him not, not just the theory, which we've already got, but exactly right. what he needed to do step by step, and he did it. And there was not one line of geeky code in there. It was all normal everyday human being marketing and writing and uh, correcting information that that sounds great uh you know i i i've noticed in setting up uh the podcast syndication that some of the syndication platforms are terrible yeah. in terms of trying to you know say hey i got a podcast can you list it and then they're just like Oh, really complicated to try to figure it out. So one of the things I did is I, I figured it out, and now I've shared it with people in, in my mm. podcasting for millions, uh, two millions uh, course, so that people can understand. Here are the steps. It's really simple once yeah. you've once you've dug dug out where it belongs, you know, and things like that. And I would guess that you're uh, Cali Cali Pro. What is it again? Kelly Cube Pro. Kelly Cube Pro. Okay. Um, and it's kellycube.com? Yeah, you've got kellycube.com and kellycube.pro, um, which oh, are two okay. different sites. And, and there's an interesting point is I did an experiment. Once again, I just spend my life doing experiments. And what <laughs> I did was say I have Kellycube the company. That's kellycube.com that does the consultancy service and right. uh, that exists as a company. Then Calicube.pro, which is Calicube Pro, the SaaS platform. Calicube Academy, dot Academy, sorry, Calicube.academy, which is the courses, and jasonbarnard.com. So each individual entity has its own website. And that has proved incredibly powerful to, for totally dominating. When you search for any of them, they will all appear on each other's brand SERPs. So I managed to control a great deal of what's being shown. Um, right. So that's a really neat trick. And um, the, if we come on to the book, another experiment is I actually started writing the book. And I'll, I'll show it because this is the opportunity. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I started writing it, not, not particularly because I, I wanted to write a book, but I, I wanted to see what effect it would have on my own knowledge panel, my own brand search. And Google's understanding of me, because Google understood me as a musician, because I was a musician, as you can see behind me here, this one, if I can do it, this one here, and this one here, and this one here, it's all music. So I'm actually a musician in Google's brain. 
And by publishing the book, I could get it to switch my subtitle from Jason Barnard, musician, to Jason Barnard, author, which is more with it, in line with what I do today in terms of digital marketing. And in, um, and in terms of uh, actually uh, selling the things that you're doing now, hmm. because the musician stuff is probably more locally controlled or real life controlled rather than digitally, but marketing a product or service or software as a service, yeah. you want to show up as something other than a musician probably. Exactly. Yeah, no, I understand. And the problem with musician is because of the way Google educated the child to start with, it educated <laughs> the child using trusted databases that are human curated. So it started with Wikipedia, Wikidata, Freebase, IMDB, Music Brains, Discogs, that kind of site. So the, the machine was trained on the Blue Dog Yellow Koala cartoon on IMDB, which had music in it plus Music Brains, plus Discogs, plus Deezer, plus Spotify, all of these sources that were just saying, Jason Barnard is a musician because I've, I was a musician for 20 years. Right. And getting Google to change its mind once that's been anchored in, in its brain, this child, once it's understood something, it's very difficult to convince it to let go of that understanding. Uh, and it's taken me quite a long time, and the book was the trigger for that particular change, which was great. So I learned okay. from that. Then I wanted to see what happens if you search the name of the book and you get a knowledge panel search says this is the book by Jason Barnard. It comes from Google Books, obviously, and uh, it then links through to me. So if you're searching for, for the book, you can find me, the author, and vice versa. And then I tried another experiment, and we can talk about reviews because I think that's a really important topic here. Is good. I got reviews on Amazon, like everybody. And then I thought, okay, uh, Goodreads, obviously, second choice. Let's get it. Then I thought, you can actually get reviews in the knowledge panel itself. So people oh, go cool. to the knowledge panel on Google, they click on it, and they give a review. So I got, I think it was 15 reviews in the knowledge panel. And I, an experiment, I had no idea what would happen. I don't so, know. So did you ask friends or yeah. associates or influencers to go I asked and click? 16, 16 friends and 15 gave me a review. Um, okay. They've all, read, they've all read the book. Uh, they all know what I talk about. So they're not giving reviews kind of, the reviews mean something. Right. Uh, but basically, I just reached out to people I knew and said, this is an experiment. Could you give me a review on the knowledge panel? And the interesting thing is, number one, of course, the knowledge panel now looks much better because I've got these five stars with the <laughs> reviews. But also in America, when you search for the book, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but sometimes when you, when you search for things in America, you get what I call filter pills at the top. So you will have overview, uh, for me, it's overview videos, listen, and uh, education, songs, and something else, I can't remember. And what happened with the book, so you can filter, basically. So if you search for Jason Bernard, you, you'll see, uh, you can click on videos, and it will just give you a list of videos. You can click on um, listen, and it will show you places you can listen to my work, okay. my music, or my... And, and this is, for me, incredibly interesting, because once you get that, it starts to look like a real mini site on Google about me. And I'm figuring out now how to control this mini site, how I can build this mini site on Google. I'm really excited. Um, but the book got one, too. And the book got one where it says overview of the book and then reviews. And you click on it, it just shows you all the reviews. So that's very powerful, because I've managed to get Google to expand the presence of the book itself on its own brand search. And the other really interesting thing is now if you search for what is a brand SERP, the knowledge panel for the book shows up. So I've turned the term brand SERP, which I coined a, a few years ago. Now when you search for it, not only do you get my answer at the top from my own website, but you get the opportunity to buy a book, which for me is commercially very good news. <laughs> that, that sounds wonderful. The I can see how this is just going to be magical for book authors because it's basically <laughs> you're, you're talking about basically two brand serfs, the title yeah. of their book or their, you know, their brand for books and then their name because both are important for most yeah. authors. And you, you have to control both or you have to encourage the little kid of Google to uh, discover what you really are about and what you're doing. Now, for some authors, I, I know I interviewed an author the other day that has like four or five different categories she writes in. 
She does right. a couple fiction categories. She's got a couple nonfiction categories. So she's all over the place. She, you know, she's right. probably got 30 or 40 books. Um, educating Google for something like that's probably got to be pretty hard. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. It's incredibly com complicated. A guy called Andrea Volpini from a company called Wordlift, an Italian company, and they're brilliant. And he's a genius. Uh, talks about multifaceted facetedness. I can't even say it. Multifacetedness. And that's a massive problem for this child. I mean, my problem with multifacetedness is I've been a musician. I've made records. I've written songs. I made a TV series. I was a blue dog in a cartoon. I actually played five characters in the same cartoon series. I wrote it, I co-directed it, um, and now I'm a digital marketer specializing in brand search with the book. That's multifacetedness taken to an extreme that Google really struggles to deal with. And what I'm finding interesting here is it gives me immense opportunities to experiment and see how we can educate this child and how we can get this child to represent us correctly. And that, that example about the songs is... I, I, it thinks the songs are incredibly important, and they are. I'm very proud of the songs that I wrote and that I played and the albums that I recorded. Right. But right now, they're not the most important thing. So convincing the child to show it, I think it's important the child shows that aspect of my life, but it needs to prioritize the digital marketing aspect, the brand surf aspect, and now the author aspect. <laughs> and so welcome you to the world of authorship. Thank you very much. <laughs> the official welcome to the word of authorship. Uh, you know, I've been an author for, gosh, almost 40 years. Oh, wow. Uh, when I wrote my first book. Uh, I'm still only 39, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. My and, and mom this... was 39 for about 20 years. Uh, <laughs> but I, I admit my age. I'm 73 right now. Really? You know, and wow. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. That surprise is, I wouldn't have guessed it. You really don't look, or your, your, your vibe and your energy is definitely much, much younger. Well, my mental age is 14. <laughs> <laughs> or my emotional age, I guess, is, is more accurate. My mental but how age many is books have you written? You know, I've lost count. But, uh, oh. you know, when you count variations, like my main book, A Thousand and One Ways to Market Your Books, has gone through seven editions. Wow. So, you know, over 35 years or something like that. So, you know, I update it every once in a while. But uh, it depends on how you do it. Because for one thing, I, I love quotes. So I've compiled like 40 quote books. I haven't, oh, wow. put, them all, I haven't put them all up for sale yet, but I, I've compiled them. They're all somewhere between 150 and 300 pages. Are they, uh, are they big, long quotes or very short quotes? They tend to be short quotes. Oh, oh can you but, quote me, please? Uh, send me some great quotes and I'll put them in. Google is a child, <laughs> thirsty for knowledge. No. We need to learn send, to educate Send them. me the quotes. Oh, darn. <laughs> I can't just say it online. Uh, just, you know, uh, I have too much input and too many things to look for. So if, <laughs> if you want me to do something like that, because I do, I, I have a, uh, one, you know, I'm doing multiple podcasts as well. I do oh, one called Tell Me a Story, which is stories. And if you want to contribute one, you know, I'd be happy to share a great story. You know, Ooh. they're usually, you know, somewhere between uh, one paragraph to five paragraphs long. Uh, if you record the audio or if you have one already telling a story, I'll be happy to include it. Otherwise, just send me the words and I will read the story. Uh, so I started that podcast to share my wife's stories because she has a lot of short, short stories. Right. And, but now I, I also have a new podcast called Heroes for Today. And it's people taking uh, a controversial position on, on some topic, you know, political, social issues, things like that, where they're, they're being what I consider brave heroes. Right. So I'm sharing their quotes. Brilliant. Wow. And, and so I'm, I'm having fun with that. I've actually compiled, I've almost done compiling two books on that, uh, compiling the quotes. <laughs> so that's coming, you know. So, I, you know, I just, I, I'm a intense content creator. So, you know, I'm well yeah. known for my 
yeah, it's a book marketing expert, but you know, I do a terrible job sometimes marketing my own stuff because I'm I'm going, oh, new bobble, and you go chasing <laughs> off in another direction to write another book, and uh, so anyway, it, it's kind of interesting. So I end up in in a lot of different categories as well, right. but that that's fine. You know, the thing is, if if my name shows up, all the books will show up, right. Which is, which is the, I mean, the, 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 the Google child has made the connections and it can make those connections. And those connections, we think they're incredibly obvious. We're kind of thinking, why isn't it understanding when it gets it wrong? <laughs> um, and it isn't half as obvious as we think it is. It's obvious to us, but it isn't necessarily obvious to the child that is Google. So well, our, yeah. it's our responsibility to educate this child. It's what happens when people, you know, I work with a lot of authors and, and they'll write mm. something about their book and I'm going, okay, now think of yourself as somebody who doesn't know anything about your topic. Mm. What you've just written isn't going to help me <laughs> because it's not, you know, it, it, it's written from your knowledge standpoint, yeah. but, uh, you know, like you said, the Google kids are not going to understand it. Yeah, I, I had a massive problem writing the book with that. I mean, I, I actually got some help <laughs> from <laughs> a lady called Emily Backdorf. Um, and basically, I thought it was all really obvious. And she was just, I don't understand. I don't understand anything that you're talking about because you're using all these words that I've never seen or heard before. And we had to go through the whole book and explain and make sure that we were explaining as we went along. Uh, and she really helped me turn it into a story. So it's very readable, and it's not very readable thanks to me. It's very readable thanks to her storytelling capacity. And she m helped make it uh, accessible to absolutely anybody. Uh, and the test was that her boss uh, didn't talk to me at all for the entire time we were writing the book. And the test was we gave it to her on a Friday evening, and on the Monday morning she had to have read the book from start to finish and come in and hopefully say, Yes, I understood it all. It made total sense. And I was very nervous that whole weekend. <laughs> Would it make sense to Zoe the boss? And the answer is yes, it did. She came in, um, a company called Bright Ray Publishing, who are absolutely brilliant, um, helped me write the book. And this, the lady, the, the, the boss, Zoe, came in and said, that makes total sense. And I enjoyed reading it. That's what we want. Well, that's yeah. what I wanted. And I'm so happy. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> you know and that's really great uh you know i think actually the people that would really like to know your secret sauce and so on uh, are internet marketers all the people yeah. that are selling digital services and so on and they want to dominate mm -hmm. you know in search engines and you know they all think they have you know there's a lot of seo people out there saying here's how to dominate yeah. an seo but you're really talking about something really intensely practical, which is yeah. not just SEO, but actually getting at the top of the page for all those little things that you're talking about. You said uh, the, you know, the video thing, there's mm. a Twitter thing now, there's, you know, mm. whatever the other little categories are that you don't want to just uh, have the links there. You want the videos, you want the twi tweets, you want the whatever. Yeah, and Google wants to show that stuff. It wants to make these results multimedia and engaging and interesting. And if you think about it, if you search for somebody's name, um, Google, what it actually does is present you the different ways you can engage with that person. So if you look up my name, Jason Barnard, you'll get my site at the top, option number one. Then you've got Twitter. I'm on Twitter a lot. Then you've got LinkedIn. Then you've got my company if you want to engage with me commercially or professionally. Then you've got video boxes. If you're interested in the videos, it will show you three videos that you can watch. Uh, then uh, article boxes with the articles I've written. So it's, a, it's basically, a, and now it's got songs since this morning, so I'm terribly pleased. But it basically <laughs> says you can go to his site, you can interact with him on Twitter, you can listen to his songs, you can read his articles, or you can watch his videos, or you can go to LinkedIn or go to his company to do business with them. And that's giving my audience the choice of how they want to now interact with me. And that was an important point as well. You were talking about digital marketers. We work so hard on social media, on different platforms to engage an audience, to get that audience on board. But we often fail to think what happens when they get to the bottom of the funnel and they search my name. 
Yeah. That's the crucial point. And that's the tipping point where either they, they tip over and they become a client, a fan, a, a, a dedicated person who loves you and your books and your products or whatever it would be, or they think, actually, no, finally, doesn't look that impressive. So that Google business card needs to be convincing as well as being um, accurate and positive. And it's actually probably less work to, uh, to get that Google business card up to date and, and reflecting you than to do all the social yep. uh, network stuff that so many people say, oh, you got to be on Twitter, you got to be on Facebook, you got to be on LinkedIn, you got to be on Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and to some extent, yeah, you do. But, you know, I, I see too many authors spend hours a day on Twitter or something like that. And that's not a good use of their time. I, I would agree uh, greatly. And, and one thing kind of with or without the book, the courses or the SaaS platform, if you just sit down and think about my entity home, where am I present? Can I correct all that information? Can I get it to link backwards and forwards from that entity home, which is the website that I own? In three months, your brand cert will look brilliant and you don't need to buy any products from me. I don't need to sell you anything. You just need to use your common sense. But the first introduction to is probably your book. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you read the book, you'll go, oh, I hope you'll go, oh, wow. It opens lots of new doors and it really is accessible to everybody. But kind of what I meant is uh, my position here isn't actually that, I, I mean, I want to make a living, but I don't particularly want to make massive amounts of money or sell millions of books. I want to understand my entire motivation here is I'm <laughs> curious about how I can educate this child and to what extent I can get this child to understand me, who I am, what I do and who my audience is, and then represent me in the way that I want to be represented. Um, and so the, the curiosity drives me. And if we talk about rabbit holes, Alice in Wonderland going down the rabbit hole <laughs> is one of my favorite animated gifts, just yeah. because that's me every day. Every day I wake up, <laughs> look at something, and fall into a rabbit hole, and I absolutely love it. Does that mean that you're updating the uh, software as a service uh, every month or every week? Yeah, or <laughs> yeah well, I mean, I, I do multiple things. I've got a database um, where, where we track 70,000 brands, and we've been tracking them for seven years now. And that database has 400 million lines of data it has something like a billion data points, a billion different pieces of information about different entities, people, companies, books, uh, films. And so I dig into the database, which I built myself, and I look at patterns and information, and I look at what's happening, and I look at where Google's uh, understanding has changed. I'm, I'm a bit of a geek from that perspective. But then I also <laughs> look, at the, look directly at what's appearing on Google. And I, I saw the songs this morning, and that got me excited. So I started thinking about how I can do that. How can I make the thumbnail that it shows for each song the thumbnail that I choose and not the thumbnail the child has chosen? Um, that's something we're doing. I've, I've got, I think, about 90 songs that I've written. And so far, I've managed to get it to show about 30 thumbnails that I chose, not Google. So okay. This education, it goes right down to the tiniest little image it will show for a particular song. The first thing I had to do, of course, is to educate it which songs I had written. And that took me quite a long time okay. because it seems obvious, but it isn't. Who wrote a song that's on an album is not, uh, for example, The Barking Dogs, which was my group, or Buwan Kuala, which was the Blue Dog and Yellow Koala you can see behind me here. Yeah. It doesn't say Jason Barnard. It says Buwan Kuala and it says The Barking Dogs. So I needed to point out to Google that I was Buwa in Buwa and Kuala, the blue, I was the blue dog, and I was in the Barking Dogs, and then get it to join those dots. Once I got it to join those dots, I could start getting it to say, right, this song written by Jason Barnard, performed by Jason Barnard, at least partially, and this is the image I want, Jason Barnard wants you to show. And the child goes, okay, right, fine, and does it. It's the same challenge uh, even in Amazon, because Amazon... You know, for example, with my book, has all six editions. Right. A and trying to get them to showcase the new edition can sometimes be a challenge. Yeah, I I'll bet it is. And a really interesting point. I'm sorry, I think I just interrupted you. I didn't mean to. No, but, it's okay. Uh, um, I'm actually giving a, a keynote speech 
uh, in, a, in a few weeks at a, at a conference. And they asked me, it, it's a very, very vast topic. It's about how the world has changed and how the world is changing, specifically COVID, how much it's changed the world, the way the internet functions. And they said, can you do a keynote? And I said, oh, what can I possibly do? Because I'm really focused on Google. And then it occurred to me, actually, all of these companies, Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, Apple, Microsoft, they're all building a child that aims to understand the world. Yeah. And that child is then being trained to best serve their, their users, their audience, their clients. So, in fact, this idea of educating the machines that are looking to understand the world for these major big tech corporations is actually applicable. I said it was a niche that actually applies to everybody within Google, at least. It's actually a niche that applies not only to everybody within Google, but everybody in all the other big tech platforms. So my niche has suddenly become so massive. <laughs> yes, and, you know, it, it becomes very much uh, a challenge, you know, to educate that little kid. Mm. I, I like that image, you know. <laughs> yeah, because it, it works really well. And and whatever you talk about within this kind of sphere, that analogy of the child always works. I haven't yet found something that somebody's asked me where I can't figure out a way to express that analogy and use that child analogy to help explain or help clarify. Yeah, it, it's a wonderful thing because it, it and it's also I think for a lot of people that are wondering about this issue and, and, you know, trying to work with it, it's a lot better to think of it as a little kid you're teaching yeah. than a big anonymous <laughs> algorithm that no one understands. And, you yeah. know, it's, it's a big machine, a robot, you know, something mm. like that. It's just a little kid trying to understand the world. Yeah. And I mean, and as, as you say, it's trying to help its users. I mean, obviously they're making money, but it's still a child trying to help people. Um, the, the, I actually, the first time I ever talked about it was, uh, I, I live in France and I'm, uh, I've just got French nationality a couple of years ago uh, and I'm bilingual in French. And my first ever conference talk was in 2015. And I used that analogy even right back then, seven years ago. Um, and I remember talking about it, and I was talking about this exact topic seven years ago when, when uh, I hadn't really fully got around the whole question. And it was very, very, very delightful because at the end, people applauded. People came up and said, that was brilliant. That was absolutely wonderful. And I was going, oh, did you understand what I was saying? So we have no idea what you were talking about, but it was a great presentation. <laughs> <laughs> and that was when I realized I had to simplify um, but it, it was it was so lovely that they, they said it was a brilliant presentation when they said, did you understand it? Absolutely no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> I had a, something similar like that. that one time when I was talking about book marketing, book marketing to a lot of authors just sounds like so complicated, so impossible yeah. and so on. And then I was speaking to a, a group of uh, uh I think it was women, women writers of the West. Right. And so they, they write Western novels and historical romances, things like that. And I was talking to them and then it hit me. All you're doing is creating relationships. And then right. I said, you're making friends. And that all of marketing really boils down to making friends. And now and in this case, it's making friends with a little kid. <laughs> yeah and, and interestingly enough I mean you talk about that and I, I, 100% it's making friends making friends with the right people and yeah. what you'll find as well is that the, the little kid once it's understood who you are and what you do you can start to ask the little kid who are my audience and you can see the people that Google is pushing you towards by the keywords, the, the search queries that you then start to appear for. What, it, what the child does is then understand like who you are and what you do and who you might be useful to, where you might provide a, a great answer, the best answer or the best solution. And then you'll see the queries, the search queries that appear where your site starts to appear in Google. And that's when you know what kind of words your audience are using as through Google's understanding of you and what you offer and your audience. And that's a really interesting stage to be at. Yeah, and uh, it probably really helps you to connect with the influencers you want to mm. connect with. 
not just your ultimate audience, but the people that could introduce you to your, your ultimate audience. I understand. I think that's going to be, it's, it's something that doesn't work particularly well right now, but definitely something that's going to be happening is I, I play a game called knowledge panel hopping. Uh, and it's a bit like the, the, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, I think it's called. Okay. Um, yeah. But when you've got a knowledge panel and you've got names in the knowledge panel or the little photos at the bottom, people also search for, and you click on them, then it gives you a carousel and you click on some of those and you can get from incredibly weird people to other incredibly weird people in, <laughs> in a few hops. Um, and right now Google's knowledge and understanding of relationships is relatively limited. So you can't necessarily see relevant, I wouldn't think uh, relationships, but certainly further down the line, that's going to be a really nice way to research who, um, if you can figure out who Google associates with you most closely within your genre, then you can start looking at their audience and reaching out to their audience and be pretty sure that it's going to be an audience who will appreciate what you're doing. The one thing about that for an author is that Amazon's already doing that. Oh, right. Okay. There you go. So I don't know much about Amazon. So you're going to teach uh, well, me. When you go to somebody's author page, Amazon will say, well, here are 10 Brilliant. other authors that uh, <laughs> you'll probably like if you like this author. And so, I, you know, and I, I can see Google doing the same thing. In fact, I think I have seen that yeah. on Google a couple of times where I, I've searched somebody and ended up seeing that there were a lot of related people that Google said you might want to check out these people too. Yeah, I, you've, you've, I mean, you've made what now seems to me to be an incredibly obvious point is Amazon is much better at that than, than, than Google. But Google is certainly starting to do it. And <laughs> one kind of interesting point is that Amazon has a massive knowledge graph. A knowledge graph is basically an encyclopedia for machines. So it's like Wikipedia, but it's for a machine. And right. whereas Wikipedia has an idea of notability, so if you're not notable or famous, uh, or important, there's no point in trying to get into Wikipedia because it's for people. If people aren't going to spontaneously search your name to try to get information about you, don't even try to get in Wikipedia. But these machines don't have this idea of notability. They just want to understand absolutely everything. And Amazon has a massive, massive, let's call it machine encyclopedia of products, including books. And Google has a massive um, machine encyclopedia about the, the wider world, but of less good one about products. So they've got these two different machines with different understandings. And Amazon are trying to understand the rest of the world and Google are trying to understand the products. So they're both kind of coming together in this kind of, once again, child understanding thing, which I find phenomenally interesting. And I forget because I focus so much on Google that Amazon and um, Microsoft as well, particularly in Apple, incredibly important to start educating those children too. That sounds good, doesn't it? It's incredibly <laughs> important to start educating Apple, Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, the children. <laughs> We're becoming grade school teachers. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this has been wonderful. I know that, uh, you know, after we get done, there's two things I've got to do. It's I got to read your book and I got to check out your software as a service. And then, what courses do you have? I know um, you, you talked about it and you said you had some, but what are yeah. they about? <laughs> well, the, we have one which is the foundation course for brand SERPs, which is basically the book taken to the next level. So if you've read okay. the book, the foundation course is the next logical step because that does have some slightly more techy geeky stuff in it. You don't need it, but it will definitely help. Uh, right. Then we have a course about uh, triggering the rich elements. You said, oh, videos, that's interesting. Twitter boxes, that's interesting. Um, we have a course of, of how to manage those and how to get Google to show them and how to control what shows in them. Okay. Uh, we have another one about negative results. So if you've got some kind of problem, bad result uh, on, on your brand SERP when somebody searches your brand name or your personal name or your book name, how to get rid of it. And there are lots of techniques, lots of strategies. Um, it's much less difficult than you would think. Uh, you know, online reputation management companies charge thousands and thousands of dollars and say it takes a year. So they'll be charging $5,000 for a year. It's not that complicated. It isn't, it isn't worth that. You can do it yourself. It really right. isn't that difficult. Um, and then I'm actually finishing up now a course about content creation. And the idea of how do we create content that the machine can understand, 
whilst okay. still being appealing to our audience. So it's taking what we're creating anyway and packaging it for the for the child machine. Okay. Um, which which I I'm really excited about it because I'm not an expert content creator necessarily, but I certainly know how to package what I'm creating for the child. And then I'm going to do another course, uh, hopefully in, in the next kind of four or five months, about how to manage the knowledge panel. And it's going to be a book that isn't geeky, like this one. It's going to be a book where anybody can do it, that it isn't going to be something where you need to know any. And, and I have stuff. to wait six months for that? Sorry, yeah. Um, I, want to, <laughs> I want to write a book as well. And I've actually got a library card for Oxford University. So part of my plan is to write at least one chapter of the next book in the Harry Potter library at Oxford University. That's my okay. plan. <laughs> okay. It won't um, make the book better, but it's going to be a fun idea in my little brain. For your background, for me, uh, I created a course on marketing on Pinterest. Oh, right. um, okay. Because I, I've had a good number of, of my graphics that I created that, got over a million repins. Wow. Is and, that because you're a genius uh, and, and graphic dozens, designer? Dozens of them that have had 100,000 or more uh, uh, repins. And so I teach a course on, okay, if you want to get real repins and not just, you know, mm. some two, three people looking at your graphic on Pinterest, here are the ones that have worked for me. And uh, so I actually talk about it because, uh, you know, the, my main value is it's a thing called typographics, where you're not just uh, putting in a headline, but you're giving them five or six tips in the graphic so that mm. they know if they click on that graphic, they're going to get to something that has actual information rather than, you know, right. junk. Typographics. Yeah. Genius. So anyway, you know, and that course has done very well for me, you know, as a, mm. as a, a course that helps people. And, um, you know, so that's wonderful. So it, it looks like you're going to be reading my book, taking my courses, and I'll be taking your courses and reading your books. <laughs> that might be the case. Uh, so uh, anyway, I, I think it's, you know, uh, you know, those are two of my action steps is read the book and look at the software as a service. Yeah. And uh decide you know it, it sounds like something that's like a no-brainer to want to sign up for it given once you did you once you realize how important the brand surf is 100 percent. i think once people kind of cotton on to the idea trigger onto the idea that the brand surf is phenomenally important it's bottom of funnel audience you've worked so hard to get them to know who you are so that they're actually interested in you interested in your books in this case right. as an author or your products as a company it seems foolish in the extreme to me not to design that Google business card and not try not to manage that mini website that Google is creating for right. you on its results pages. Yeah, I actually have to check mine out again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that enough. You know, there was a time when I would search every week to just see where I was, but yeah. and and I owned, you know, back when I was really uh, doing a lot of website content. I owned an incredible number of number one search terms. Right. Um, and, and I've lost a lot of them because I'm not doing that content anymore. But uh, I should check out, see how my name is and, you know, where I stand for the term book marketing, which I'm trying to own that term in, in social media and other places. Right. Yeah, there's a, there's a concept now with Google which is called topical authority. And that's incredibly important. It's more important than the number of or the words in the in the pages, as it were. Obviously, you need to use the vocabulary vocabulary of your audience. But what Google is looking for is people, companies who are topical authorities on their speciality. So right. you need to demonstrate to this child that you are the authority on the topic of book marketing. I need to convince it that I'm the authority on the topic of managing your own brand SERP and educating the child. Oh, that's ironic. I'm convincing the child that I am the authority <laughs> on educating the child itself. Genius. <laughs> it just all goes into a circle. <laughs> yeah, and the child goes mad and then Google blows up. Brilliant. I doubt it's going to blow up. Uh... And I think, you know, we have a real responsibility to help educate that child uh, mm -hmm. 
so that it really understands what we're doing. And, you know, so I'm really happy I was able to connect with you because it, it's just, I, I've loved this, uh, this session that we've had. And, you know, I may have to come back to you again just to have some more fun. <laughs> Definitely. With, with immense pleasure, I would love to come back. And I really enjoyed digging down into the world of authorship and books because obviously with brand surfs, it applies to everybody. And so what I, what I enjoy about this kind of show is people come to me with a local business pro angle, or in right. this case, authors or films. And so all these different podcasts that I can appear on, and you force me to look into the specific rabbit hole of this particular audience. And it's wonderful because I learn loads just from being uh, prompted by you, by your questions, to think about it more in your context, which is lovely. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I like going out and speaking to audiences because I always tell them, look, I'm getting more out of this than you are. Because <laughs> <laughs> yep. when I go and speak live, I've, I'm there for two or three days and I'm asking question after question mm. after question of the people. They share stories of what worked for them and things like that. And then I just pass it on. And, you know, I, I love doing that kind of thing. And, you know, you seem yeah. to be of a pretty similar mindset. I, I think we're more similar than just the white beard. <laughs> I still got hair. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we are similar characters. I think there's a, um, a, a great similarity. And I agree, you know, asking questions, listening to people. That's how I've learned so much of what I know today um, and listening, understanding, um, hearing people talk about something they truly know and they're truly um, enthusiastic about is, is where I learn stuff. And today you've taught me a few things and pointed out some things that I now see as obvious, like Amazon is going to be better at predicting which books you're going to like than Google. Well, that'll, that'll probably stay pretty well, especially mm. since Amazon also owns Audible, and right. so they're paying attention to what people are listening to. And my wife, uh, because she can't read that well right now because she's had glaucoma and cataracts. So right. she listens a lot. So her whole profile now is on Audible. Right. And, uh, you know, so, but it's under my name. So Audible is going to get confused. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that, that is a, that is going to be a problem is when people use other people's accounts, it, it gets very confused. And, um, but in, in fact, uh, IMDB belongs to Amazon as well. Um, and uh, Goodreads. And Goodreads too. So all of this is feeding into Amazon's massive machine. And, and they have a and, big one. Yes. Yeah. And then, but, and then Google is also crawling all of this information using its bots for the index. So it's learning from all these Amazon um, points. So, you know, from a book perspective, uh, coming back to kind of how to how to promote your book, don't don't forget Goodreads, don't forget Google Books. You can give reviews on Google Books, give reviews on the knowledge panels, or get reviews rather on the knowledge panel, um, yeah. which feeds directly into Google, which is going to help Google understand you better. And if it understands you better, it's more likely to present you as a great opportunity, solution, um, helpful resource for its users. Right. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Jason. Uh, for people who want to know more, go to, well, just Google him. <laughs> <laughs> if Brilliant. he's any good, you'll find him. <laughs> Brilliant. Yep. Absolutely. If I'm any good, Google my name, you'll find me, and it's up to you how you connect. Thank you. Brilliant. Yeah. Otherwise, it's jasonbernard.com. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Thanks a lot, lot, man. That was brilliant, John. Thank you.